Okay, good morning, and we are back with our Living with Amuna series, arguably uh, needed now more than ever, as we're all uh, feeling somewhat isolated from one another and yet never more together uh, and connected, connected through many things, our shared destiny, our shared uh, potential exposure, God forbid, our shared need to cooperate and collaborate in order to ensure our well-being, but also our shared sense of faith, of literally living with Amuna. You know, moon is the type of thing that you can't draw upon it when you need it. It's not going to be there necessarily because you entered a crisis. You need to have a wellspring. You need a bank account that you can tap into. If all of a sudden you have a, uh, a leaky roof or your air conditioning goes and you haven't saved some money to be able to pay for it, it's hard to come up with it in that moment of crisis. But if you've been saving for that rainy day, if you've been responsible putting money away, then it'll be there when you need it. And Amuna works similarly. That it's in moments like this, if you had asked me a month ago on our Wednesday morning Amuna Shir, would we all be sort of voluntarily quarantined or truly quarantined or socially distancing from one another, I would have told you you're out of your mind, you're living on another planet. And yet, here we are at this time, and that's why we've been working for these years every Wednesday morning. We have, I think, 140 shiurim up on Torah and RabbiEfrimGoldberg.org every Wednesday morning, our support group, our workout room, where we have been collectively working out on our Amuna to get us to this day so that in these moments, and this should be the worst of the moments that we need to draw from, that Amuna is there for us to draw from. I want to thank our sponsors for the Amuna series for the entire year, Drs. Avi and Bella Morgan, who sponsored a memory of somebody who was a walking embodiment and role model of Amuna, our dear friend Rabbi Dr. Brian Gabbett, Baruch Tzvi ben Ruvein Nassan, who lived a life filled with Torah and Avodah Hashem and Amuna, no matter what life threw his way. And I also want to thank our particular sponsor. Just because we're doing this virtually doesn't mean that there's not always an opportunity for sponsorship. So I want to thank our particular sponsor this morning, David and Joyce Mueller, in commemoration of the year at site of uh, Joyce's mother, Fruma Bas Mordechai, whose neshama should have an aliyah through their wonderful work, the legacy she leaves through them and and through others. You'll excuse me if I'm looking back and forth, but working multiple screens here and trying to share our Torah and create our learning community as broadly and widely as possible. So I'm very excited to continue learning what we're doing now because I couldn't think of a more perfect text to be studying as we are all confronted by and going through what we're going through. We've been learning a piece by Rav Itamar Schwartz, the author of the Bavavi Mishkan Evne, Da'ez Bischonecha, Know Your Bitachon, that we should understand what Bitachon is and where it comes from, of how we can tap into it, how we can harness it, and how it can be there for us in this time that we so desperately need it. So to those who are joining us for the first time today, again, I invite you to learn with us regularly on Wednesday mornings and to, uh, and to catch up with our 140 or so shiurim that we've uh, done on Living with Amuna. But let me tell you what we've studied together so far in this essay of Rav Schwartz of the Bilvavi. He's talked about the definition of bitachon. And he says the definition of bitachon we can find from the first time the word bitachon, betach, betach is used. And it's in the Torah. When Shimon and Levi are going to rescue their sister Dina and they enter the city after they have uh, turned things in their favor, they have um, Shimon and Levi sort of trick the people of Shechem, that they need to have a bris, and it's the third day when they're the most vulnerable, that's when they're going to go in uh, and be able to attack, and they know that they've turned the odds in their favor. They come, Ba'elir Betach, they come to the city with a sense of confidence, they come to a city with a sense of surety, with a sense of absolute knowledge, they know they're going to succeed, they're going to triumph, why? 
because they've turned the odds in their favor. If you know because behind the scenes and under the table, you've orchestrated things to be in your favor, then you have a confidence, a serenity, a peace. Then you know how it's going to turn out. They entered the city with a betach, with an absolute confidence. And says of Schwartz, that is the root, that is the core of bitachon for us as well. We enter every situation in our lives with a sense of betach, with a sense of confidence and surety, with a sense of calm and peace and serenity, because we know we have our responsibility, we have to take our initiative, we have to take the actions that we need to take, but beyond them, we need to let go and let God, to borrow a phrase from the recovery community. At some point, we need to let go of that anxiety and that uncertainty and that doubt and that worry because we realize we're part of a greater universe. There is a being who is omnipotent and infinite. He is the creator and the source of all. He's the Melech Malchei Amlachim. He's the king of the universe, the Ribono Kololim. He is the master of the universe. He is in charge. He is in control. And he is the one who has designed everything the way it is. And therefore, at some point, sorry, this keeps falling. Hope nobody got whiplash. At some point, we have to relinquish our sense of control. We have to let go. You see, the thing that robs us of our happiness, the thing that robs us of our serenity, the thing that robs us of our calm and our confidence is that feeling that we are in control and yet we can't control this. Has there been a situation or a circumstance where collectively we felt that more than now? There's an invisible virus. It's an arch enemy. There's a war which is being waged. It's on our surf and it's a toil, soil and it's on our turf and it's in our country. And none of us know is it in our homes. And therefore we feel so impotent to be able to control it. Yes, we're called to quarantine and to socially distance and to take the steps we need to, to wash our hands and never sing happy birthday more in our lives. Yet, yet, as much as we think we are in control, as much as we think if we do it, we're protected. We're not. And that's so hard to accept. It's so hard to accept that we can only do what we can do. We can get to that line. And once we get to that line, it's time to let go and let God. It's time to take that deep breath and release that feeling of micromanaging, that feeling of being able to control. We're not in control of this. We're not in control of the stock market. We're not going to be in control of our income. We're not in control of the people around us. We're not in control of the trajectory of this virus. We take the steps we need to, we do what we must, but beyond that, we let go. And therefore, if one really trusts in Hashem, if one really believes that there's nothing that's random or chance, that's the voice of a Amalek in our ear, we're still coming off of the holiday of Purim, that notion that things are random and chance and happenstance, and it's just the natural order, and we're just going to be a statistic and a piece of data, whether this affects us or not. That attitude, that mentality is the voice of a Amalek, but we extinguish that voice. We quiet and silence it. We raise the volume on the voice of being a Yisrael, a Yid, a Jew. And the voice of a Jew says, B'tach Bashem. I put my trust in Hashem. Dveikas. I cling to and I stick to Hashem like Devek, like glue. I know He has my back. Once I've done what I can and need to do beyond that, I'm happy and I'm peaceful and I'm calm. Because I'm not going to let an invisible virus that I don't know if it's even around me, once I've taken the steps I have, rob me of my serenity, my peace, and my happiness. And I'll tell you something even more. If you've read about this, you know that doctors will tell you that even if you're in the, uh, among the population, the demographic, in the age or the health condition, who do not meet the criteria of needing to worry, you'll put yourself into that demographic by worrying. One of the biggest things that lowers the immune system that makes you most vulnerable, fragile, and susceptible is worry and fear. Worry and fear are antithetical to belief and faith. The more one trusts and leans in with a sense of faith in Hashem, the more one never has anything to fear. 
What is Tehillim if not David HaMelech pouring out his heart through the poetry of saying whatever he faced and he faced obstacles, rebellious children and a father-in-law wanted to murder him and people in insurrection, he faced horrific threatening circumstances. But David HaMelech understood that you know what? It's bad enough to have to fight the enemy from without. I'm not going to let that enemy rob me from within of my happiness, my peace, my serenity, and my trust. B'tach Hashem, put your faith in Hashem, take the steps you need to, and then you have come. So this bitach on this concept, this notion of faith and trust, you know, it's not, it's not ignorance, it's bliss. It's actually being educated creates calm. The more we know Hashem, the more we talk to Hashem, the more we feel His presence in our life, the more we feel His guiding, loving, supporting hand on our shoulder, the more we lean into Him, and the more we look at our history and we reveal His presence throughout. The fact that we've not only survived, but we've thrived, and here we are. The more we're able to, like Shimon and Levi walked into Shechem, knowing the odds are in their favor, in every circumstance, the odds ultimately are in our favor, because we are never victims of randomness or chance. We are always the subjects and the objects of Hashem's love and of Hashem's providence. We live this way, he says, in three realms, Rav Schwartz. In the world of Olam, Makom, the world of Zman, and the world of Nefesh. Every meaningful concept expresses itself in these three realms, these three venues. Space, time, and soul. Holiness in space is the tabernacle, the Mishkan, the Beis HaMikdash, the Shul. Holiness in time is Shabbos, and holiness in the soul is what we create, it's what we feel, it feel. It is the sanctuary that we build within our very souls. Then Rav Schwartz led us to this concept, and we'll begin today, that there is an inner life and an outer life. There's the external life that we live. From the moment we wake up in the morning, we're battling, we're struggling from what to wear and what to drink and are we running on time and are we running late and on an ordinary day in ordinary circumstances within five minutes of having woken up we've battled a hundred things there's decisions we have to make there are obstacles and frictions we have to overcome and yet internally our soul which is unified and which is whole and which has a direct high-speed connection to above the soul has the ability to amalgamate everything going on externally on the outside and to realize that nothing is chance or random. When we put our trust in Hashem, it's all by design, and therefore to live a life of peace, a life of serenity, a life of happiness, a life of joy. On the outside, it looks like there's everything is chaos. On the outside, it looks like we're hustle and bustle and trying simply to paddle to survive. And yet, we have the ability based on the inside to live with a sense of calm. And the choice is ours. That's what we're gonna begin with this week. Says Rav Shors, the Bavavi, the choice is ours. Never, ever relinquish your capacity to choose. You can be frazzled, you can be anxious, you can be filled with doubt and uncertainty, you can be worried, you can drive yourself and everyone else around you crazy, you can forfeit your serenity, your peace and your happiness, or you can tap into that inner chamber of Amuna. You can tap into your best self, the deepest part of yourself, your soul, and let that soul express itself through a continuous and a constant calm, that no matter what's happening around you, you have confidence. There is a Hashem. It's for a reason. It will work out. And even when it doesn't, that too is a form of it working out, working out the way it was meant to from above. And if you walk into every situation and every scenario knowing that it's been pre-programmed, that it's been designed, that nothing is random, that everything is what's best, even when we can't see or appreciate that, then there's no reason to ever freak out. There's no reason to lose your cool. There's no reason to forfeit your calm. There's no reason to give up on your happiness. 
you can even through this circumstance of socially distancing, voluntary or obligatory quarantine, there's no reason that we can't still be happy and hopeful. There's no reason that we can't still look at the world with a sense of optimism and faith. There's no reason that we can't make the best of our circumstances and live our best selves yet. So we are, for those who have the copy, which is, I think, probably absolutely none of you, because I realize I collected all the copies after the last time that we met. In the future, if we have to do this, I will uh, try to share them in advance. So I'll read and you'll listen. Says Rav Schwartz. Once a person grasps this and understands this, once a person acknowledges this and accepts this, if we're willing to accept the fact that we're not in control, and therefore there is the external set of circumstances of our life, there are the to-do list and the tasks, there are the action items that I have to do, they represent the external battles I have to make. Do I wake up in the morning? Do I hit snooze? Do I get out of bed? Am I gonna shower? Am I gonna be lazy? Will I exercise or will I cop out? Will I be on time or will I run late? All of the battles that we face within the first few moments of waking up in the morning, there's the external sense of self, which is characterized by battle and by struggle and by the sense of tension, sense of friction. But we also have to admit and acknowledge we have to find and tap into that inner sense of self that despite all of those things happening on the outside, it comes together and consolidates in an inner soul, an inner soul which is at peace, an inner soul which is connected to above, an inner soul which with faith and trust know nothing is random. It begins with acknowledging it. And this stands opposite these concepts of knowledge and free will, of effort and of trust. These are external manifestations. This idea that we all have to make choices, that we have free will, is an external manifestation. It's true. We have free will. Choose life. Kodesh Baruch says, I've placed before you today choices. Free will is what gives our lives meaning. If we were automated, pre-programmed robots, if we were obedient, we could get rid of this virus a lot quicker if people actually listened and followed through. But if we were obedient, pre-programmed robots, no relationships in our lives would have meaning or value. What is marriage if not the result of the choices we make to either feel closer to one another or to create distance between one another. What are friendships? What are relationships? What is family? And what is our relationship with the Rebona Shalom? If not, the result of the series of choices we face every day. If we make the right choices, meet the needs, the requests of the other, we feel close, intimate, connected with them. If we ignore or neglect, if we violate or dismiss what they've asked of us, then we're distanced, then we're further driven apart. So relationships are the sum uh, composite, the sum total, of the choices that we have made. So the external us, the external life, feels empowered and enriched by the choices we make. This external life tells me that I have Bechira, I have choices. This external sense of self, which is filled and characterized by the choices I make, each of those choices has a um, impediment, an object in its way. The choices I'm making, I have to choose between this and this. 
There are pros and there are cons. There are benefits and there are liabilities. There are forces with me and there are forces against me. So any world in which there are forces operating against me, including the world in which I express my free will to overcome those forces operating against me, that's an external world. That's a world of illusion. This is part of our reality, of a world of hiddenness, of a world of exile, of a world where the Sitra Achra, this opposite opposing energy, has an influence in the world and in our lives. What is he talking about here of Schwartz? What he's talking about is the following. You see, in the world the way it was meant to be, in a Gan Eden type lifestyle before Adam and Chava were expelled, Hashem's presence was revealed. Hashem's presence was not debatable. There was a certainty, there was a connection, there was an access, there was a visibility. And when that happens, there's no obstacle, there's nothing in your way, there's no illusion that your free will is what creates your reality. When you see Hashem, when you feel His presence, when you know its certainty is there, then even though you know your to-do list and your action items, but you never confuse them with actually influencing the future. You realize ultimately that that is up to Hashem. But in our world of hiddenness and exile, in our world of exposure to a sitra achra, we are fooled and we are tricked to the world of illusion, to think that the choices we make actually have that, have that difference. That's revolt, but we learned this before previously. The Gemara says that a person who answers Amen Bekokocho, someone makes a bracha, and you answer Amen with all of your being, with all of your energy, with all of your everything, then it says, the gates to Gan Eden are open to you. And Revolba asked, what a peculiar Gemara. Normally when we talk about you're doing a virtuous, righteous, meritorious behavior, we say, you're promised a portion in where? The world to come, Olam Haba. So why here is the promise that the gates to Gan Eden are open? Why it's an unusual promise. Moreover, why don't you get to go to Gan Eden? All you get is that the gates to Gan Eden are open. So Revolba explained exactly similar to what Schwartz is saying here. You see, Gan Eden was a place of certainty. Gan Eden was a place where irrefutably you knew God existed. He controlled things. He influenced your life. So when we answer Amen, Amen is the root of the word Emuna. When we affirm our faith that we live in the here and now, we make the choices, we take our initiative, but ultimately its success, ultimately its conclusion, ultimately the result is up to Hashem. He is the puppeteer pulling the strings. He is the one who orchestrates and choreographs all, choreographs all that happens. When a person answers Amen B'Kol Kocho, when we tap into that reservoir of Amuna with everything we've got, you've opened the gate to Gan Eden. You've gotten a glimpse of what it could be like and what it will be like again. And so this world in which we live, in which we think, you know, if I just quarantine and I wash my hands every 15 seconds and I bathe in Purell every 20 minutes, then I'm guaranteed not to have. Or, you know, I'm fatalistic, I'm going to get, I might as well go out. The person who thinks that whether this virus will impact them is the result only and only of their behavior is a fool, is a person who's given into the Sitra Akhra, that opposing voice, is a person who's living in exile mentality. We are people of faith. We are Yireh Hashem, Yireh Shemayim, B'nai Torah. We live with the knowledge that Hashem is next to me, even when I'm in quarantine, especially when I'm in quarantine. We're never quarantined from Hashem from above. No matter how isolated one has to be, God forbid, in the hospital with a positive diagnosis, you may be isolated from all other human beings. They may have to wear a hazmat suit. Hashem never wears a hazmat suit. Hashem never holds back from hugging you. Hashem never is quarantined from being present in the here and now, right next to each and every one of us. 
So as we take our initiative, as we engage our behavior, as we do what not only we can, but have to and must do, simultaneously we must realize that this world is an illusion. And ultimately, its consequence and what happens is up to Hashem. That shouldn't cause us to compromise or hold back or hesitate to do what we have to. This is not a conflict. We do what we have to. But while we do it, we do it with the knowledge that ultimately, it's not up to us. The whole root of the mistakes of the indiscretions of the violations we make, the whole root is this illusion, this misnomer, this misconception that in fact we can control our reality. Give it up, let it go. Yes, our mission, part of the way we show faith is with words, we show faith with feeling, and we show faith with action. Because Hashem says to us, don't just, as He said to our ancestors when they stood between the sea and the Egyptians, and He said, stop davening and start walking. And He's telling us, stop celebrating and start quarantining, stop congregating, and start socially distancing. Kodesh Baruch says, stop thinking that you're going to get together, ignore the medical experts, lean in on your faith in me, and it's going to all be okay. No. Says Hashem, I gave you those medical experts, and I gave you this knowledge, and I gave you this um, awareness, so that you can follow through. I can't emphasize enough. We must take the steps. We have to express our Bechira. We have to execute our free will to do what we have to. But once we've done it, let go and let God. Realize we're not in control. There's no reason to give up the peace of mind, the serenity, the happiness, the joy, the hope, the optimism. We can either live our external selves, which is riddled with conflict and battling, which is confused by the illusion that we can control things, or we can live our internal selves, our neshama, our nefesh, which knows that it is the subject of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will, that once we've done what we have to, let go and let God. Lean in on God. We're never quarantined from Him. He never needs a hazmat suit. He never stops hugging with us. He's with us all the time. The other day, my son, who's absolutely fine, my seven-year-old, was lying on the couch, and my wife, Yechevet, asked him, what's the matter? He said, I don't feel well. She said, what's the matter? He said, I have the Kavana virus. She said, what? He said, I have the Kavana virus. And to you, my friends, I say, Halavai, we should all get the Kavana virus. It should spread contagiously. It should take over everybody, the Kavana virus. We should all be struck with the sense of being able to connect to Hashem, to feel His presence, to have a mindfulness and a acute awareness of His role in our lives, not only through this episode, but always. When Yaakov returns from Aram and Yaakov, has, and Yaakov becomes aware He's informed that Esav and 400 men are coming. It says, That Yaakov was afraid, he was aggrieved. Yaakov already anticipated, he was worried about this reunion, this conflict with his brother. Even before he left, he prayed, May I merit to return peacefully to the house of my father. And God had already made him the promise, you're going to return, and you're going to be at peace, and you're going to not only survive, you're going to thrive. He was nevertheless afraid, he was trembling and fearful. 
What was the source of his fear? Our rabbis tell us. Yaakov Avinu, the Bechir Ha'avos. Yaakov was the pinnacle of our patriarchs who embodied the best of Avram and Yitzchak within himself, within Yaakov. And this is Yaakov. Here I am telling you through multiple mediums all at once. Here I am saying, nobody fear. What are you afraid of? Take the steps we need to and then it's in God's hands. We're capable of letting go of our fear. And Yaakov Avinu was afraid. How do you understand that? So our rabbis tell us, Yaakov wasn't afraid that God wouldn't do what he needed to do. Yaakov was afraid that he wouldn't perform. Shema Yigram Achet. Yaakov was worried. Maybe he didn't have the merits. Maybe he didn't earn Klomar. Yaakov Avinu Chasha Shema Iberis. Shema Iberis Havtachos. Shehuvtach Lomachmas Chatam Shlo. Osho Bnei Beis Atulim B'Tzavaro. Vachet Yislabish V'Yafia B'Tzur Shemes Nagdim Keisav V'Chavim Merev. Shalulu Vatos Mitzusos Yaakov Zarah Chas V'Shalom. Yaakov understood that an Esav could never threaten him. Yaakov wasn't worried about an Esav. Esav couldn't ever risk. Esav was not a formidable threat. Who was Esav? Yaakov wasn't worried or fearful of Esav. What was Yaakov worried about? He was worried that Hashem, Hashem had placed Esav as his agent, as his ambassador. Maybe Yaakov himself was unworthy, and the one who would pay him for that unworthiness was an Esav. See, Yaakov didn't learn that the external sense of Yaakov confronted an external fellow human being, albeit a hostile adversary one, Esav. But the internal Yaakov didn't think through in the form of an adversary in the physical realm. The internal voice of Yaakov, the neshama of Yaakov, made him understand that this wasn't about a mighty human being, an adversary or foe. This was about the spiritual energies of influences of this world. And here, Rav Schwartz makes such an important point. He says, to live with this level of bitachon, whether it's coronavirus, whether it's a family conflict, whether it's a financial crisis, whether it's a health scare, whether it's global warming, whether it's travel that's canceled, whether it's whatever it is, and please God will return to those other fears and not this one. Whatever it is we're facing, we can overcome it, we can quiet it, we can find a serenity, a peace, a calm, and a confidence in it if we live with our bitachon. But here's how bitachon works, he says. Don't make the mistake of thinking, I'm working on my bitachon. I'm going to try to have bitachon in this moment. Bitachon is not something that you work on, he says, and bitachon is not something you embrace for the moment. Bitachon is a mindset. Bitachon is a way of being. Bitachon is a perspective. Bitachon is a place that you enter. It's a, a way that you live. It's the glasses that you put on. You could wear no glasses, and the world is blurry. And you know what the biggest danger of a blurry world is? that you think you see clearly. And if you think you see it clearly, but really everything is blurry, it's very dangerous to you. But when you put on those glasses of bitachon and of emunah, and you say, ah, oh, now I see clearly. There are no external threats. My life is not characterized by battling and by tension and by struggle and by conflict. I put on the glasses and now I see. I've taken away the matrix, the illusion, and I see what's operating behind it is godliness, is Hashem. That there is a method to the madness, that there is reason, not randomness. And then I have calm, and then I have peace. But it takes, you can't be like, hey Rabbi, send me a message of bitachon. 
You know, I'm stressed out over this coronavirus. You know, I'm really freaking out over being isolated or socially distanced or quarantined. So do me a favor, would you text me something to make me feel better? It doesn't work that way. A person has to enter that space. A person has to put on those glasses. A person has to live that lifestyle that we engage and we filter, that we absorb the world through this prism that tells me it's not what it appears on the surface. It's not an external, fragmented, chaotic struggle world filled with impediments and obstacles, but rather it's a world of confidence. It's a world of peace. It's a world of serenity. It's a place that I enter, a mabat. Adam a person like that lives that internal world, that internal peace and confidence and knowledge, that internal hope and optimism and faith. And you know, sometimes you leave that world when there's something to do. I've got to get something done. I have a to-do list, an action item. I have my initiative that I have to express or I have to show. So I leave my internal world in order to get that done. But as soon as it's done, as soon as I have fulfilled my external act, I go back into my internal world of confidence and of peace and of faith, of an absolute knowledge and calm that comes with it. You see, when we say Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, is it lip service? Are they just words? Is it a nice song that we sing to put our kids to bed? Or do we mean it? Shema Yisrael, to whom are we talking when we say Shema? The quarantined individual who's by themselves proclaiming at the top of their voices, Shema Yisrael. Who's the Yisrael? So when I'm in a pack shul and I'm yelling and I'm competing with everyone around me to outshout them and say Shema Yisrael, I understand. Listen, O Israel. Listen, Jewish people. Listen, you, Oisvarfs. There's a God. Buy into Him. Believe in Him. Start living with Him. But what about when you're quarantined? What about when you're alone? To whom are you talking? Shema Yisrael, listen Jew, listen Yid, listen Pintala Jew. Who are you talking to? Talking to yourself. You are talking to that world of illusion. You're talking to the Sitra Achra. You're talking to the voice of Amalek. You're talking to the attitude of exile within you. And you're saying, listen and listen carefully. Shema, listen up. Understand, pay attention. Hashem, Hayahovah who was, who is, and who will be. Elokeinu, he's our God. He didn't just create a world and move on. He didn't take us out of Egypt and retire. Just as he previously and in the past escorted every human being through their lives, he's not only aware of, he's intimately involved in every one of our lives, every moment of life. He's not just Hashem, Yud Kevav, Yehovah, He wasn't just was, is, and will be. He's Eloke Nu. He's my God. He's our God. He knows exactly what's going on. And that Hashem, who was, is, and will be, Echad. He's one, he's singular, he's exclusive, he's unique, he's distinguished, he's different than everything and everyone else. And the whole world conforms to him. There is a synergy, there's a collaboration, there's, it's all working together as an expression of him. And when I live with that perspective of the Hashem Echad, there's a oneness, a unity to existence, that it's all coordinated and cooperating, it's all organized as an expression of his will, then I know I need to do my part in that world. I have to take my actions, I have to take my steps, I have to take my initiative, and once I've done, I have to let go and let God. Once I've done that, I take my step back, and I re-enter my inner world. And so it's really quite simple during this extraordinary time in which we are living. It's really quite simple. If you want to live in your external sense of self, if you want to live with your external sense of perspective, 
then it's a very scary, frightening time. If you turn on the news and you're following the statistics and you're watching your coronavirus dashboard that tells you exactly how many cases where and you're waiting for the next shoe to drop and you're concerned that you need to be tested, then you will need to be tested because you're, you will become immunosuppressed by the stress and anxiety that you've self-imposed upon yourself. It's really quite simple. If we look with our external lenses, if we're living our external superficial lives, we see a world that's falling apart, that makes no sense, a world that's filled with dangerous, invisible, contagious threats, a world that should cause us to have anxiety, worry, fear, doubt, uncertainty, and to rob us of our happiness. But we have the choice, my friends. Don't relinquish it. Don't abandon it. Don't forfeit it. Don't concede it. Don't give it up. You have the choice to channel that inner voice of peace, the inner voice of confidence, the inner voice of faith that says, with all that's going on around me, I'll do what I need to, and then I'll let go and let God. I'll do what I need to, but I know Hashem Elokeinu. Shema, I'm listening up. Shema Yisrael, Pintalayid, little faithful soul inside you, listen and listen carefully. Hashem is our God. Hashem is Echad, all that's happening, all that's operating, it's by design, it's choreographed from above. There is a greater reason, and therefore, like Shimon and Levi walked into Shechem, they bo'ir betach, they came in with a sense of betach bitachon, with a sense of confidence and surety, we too can have that confidence and that surety. We too can have that calm. We too can spread not the coronavirus, but the kavanavirus, to be able to, with great intent and concentration, know there's a Hashem in our lives. Nothing is random or chance. Everything is for a purpose, to silence the external amalek and to turn the volume up of the inner neshama of faith. And when we do, even through this unfortunate and difficult time, we can find the happiness. It doesn't have to rob us. Because, you know, even if you don't, even if you don't come down with coronavirus, but if you're unhappy and on edge, if you're filled with doubt, if you're not sleeping at night and you're anxious, then you too are a victim. Then you too are a number. We can protect ourselves, not through quarantining, but this we protect ourselves in the opposite. You see, from the coronavirus physically, you protect yourself by distancing. But from the impact of the coronavirus spiritually, you overcome it not by distancing, but by coming closer and closer to Hashem. The more you see Him, the more you feel Him, the more you connect with Him, the more you rely on Him, the more you lean into Him, the more that you will be able to feel a sense of calm and you'll overcome the threat that this poses. Yihiratzon, I pray together that Hashem should protect us all, that should disappear as quickly as it came, that we can return to our sense of community and our sense of connection with one another, and ultimately, most importantly, with Hashem above. Have a healthy and a safe day.